Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community. From legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to modern day turkey hunters embracing technology while maintaining the traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in the woods. That's the North American Wild Turkey. And welcome to the Limb Hanger Podcast. Tonight we have Parker McDonald, Joey Bell, Matthew Reeves, and our special guest, Shane Simpson from Calling All Turkeys. Shane, good to have you on here, sir. Thank you for having me on. And you probably should tell everybody who you are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you let yourself That out. is true. Come on. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is a rookie move. This is my first <laughs> time trying to like kick off the podcast. Too. This is Adam Cruz. So for those that don't know my voice. Yeah, I was I was watching the screen at all the little uh, little monitors here as you named everybody, and I was like, well, he didn't name himself. So, man, I just figured everybody would know me since like my second time being on here. It's either the most <laughs> humble thing or the most arrogant thing. Like you just know who I am. <laughs> I'm gonna go with humble or you know, <laughs> just missed it. Oh, Shane, man, it's uh, it's good to have you on here tonight. So thanks for joining again. Uh, we've been sitting around kicking around ideas on what to talk about and what hunters would be interested in right now. And I think a lot of us are all in this kind of planning stage, whether that's planning for opening day or uh, we're talking about planning for next year. And then some of us like me are just procrastinators and we're like, gum, I'd like to just, you know, hit as many states as possible last minute. So we've listened to you over the years doing different podcasts, watched your videos over the years. And everybody knows you're traveling all over the country to to hunt turkeys. So we're excited to have you on and talk about this tonight. Yep, looking forward to it. Especially this time of year, I'm I'm in the same mindset as you guys. I'm I'm loving talking about turkey as we you know wait for opener. So where are for you? Those, uh, where are you kicking off at, Shane? Where are you starting? Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, I'm not making any long trips this year i've got some side i'll go ahead and get that out of the way i got a side project that i'm working on it's uh, gonna take a lot of my time and revenue or, or money um so i don't i really can't afford to to travel as as much as i did i will hunt as much i'm just gonna keep it local neighboring states and whatnot and try to put some of that money aside to work on the side project and then hopefully next year i'll be done with it and i can go back to you know traveling as much as i used to that's cool man are you hitting that nebraska archery season up or what are you what are you doing there yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do the archery um and then um kind of bounce back and forth over there for that just to because they open you know in march for archery and is basically it's the earliest i can get a startup this way and then i'll wait for some of the gun seasons to open in some of these states 
you know, Iowa, I think I'm doing um, yeah first season in Iowa, which is April 10th, something like that. Yeah, living in living in Minnesota, it seems like you've got pretty good quick access to really good turkey hunting as it is. Like you don't have to go very far for some killer turkey hunting. Yeah, I can if I I used to plot or plan my trips based on how where how far I could get within eight to ten hours. You know, and and that was because of my schedule at work. I used to work, you know, second shift and and uh, I would take a few days off if I left work, you know, how where could I be tomorrow morning in order to hunt a couple of days and then jet back home? And I can go all the way to Nebraska, Southern Nebraska. I can get to Iowa. I can, I, well, I can get far South in 10 hours. Um, the Dakotas, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, all that stuff. So yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of States I can hit within driving distance to even just hunt for a weekend. So, Shane, you um, you're originally from the South, correct? Yep, South Carolina. All right, so you're from you're from South Carolina, ended up in Minnesota. Is that right? Yeah. All right, and in Minnesota, like it kind of like you you really have a a viewpoint that not a lot of people get. You hear guys down south, especially down south, talk about how hard the turkey hunting is in the South, and then you hear guys in the Midwest talk about how turkeys are everywhere. What I don't it is first off is Minnesota considered Midwest, and also like as far as like levels of the country, you got South, Midwest, and North. Is there one that you're particularly fond of? Minnesota. Well, I've asked that been asked that question lately, and yes, um, first of all, Minnesota is in the upper Midwest is what they categorize that, um, but it's part of the Midwest. Um. I used to, yeah, I used to name states that I that I felt were my favorite, but now it's more of a terrain feature, um, hill country, um, with eastern gobblers, not Miriams and not Rios or whatever. I like hunting the timber, hardwood ridge tops. You know, you can use the hills for terrain uh, for cover to move around and uh, maneuver. Plus, it's a uh, it's a lot easier to hear to get birds to gobble at a distance when you, you when you're hunting those uh, that basically like mountain type terrain you know it's not quite mountainous you know there's um elevation changes anywhere from three to six hundred feet or something like that but you can get out on a point you coyote howl owl hoot and you can hear birds from a mile away um if you can get coyote howl loud enough you can get them to gobble and then you just have to figure out what point are they on on that ridge and exactly which ridge they're on Whereas in flat country, you know, it's, you're only going to hear a bird gobble, you know, six, seven, 800 yards away sometimes, you know, quarter to a half mile, maybe. So you have that, that's, that's one luxury or one aspect of, that I enjoy. And then, then just the terrain itself, using it to my advantage to hunt. And then who doesn't like calling gobblers through the timber, you know, waiting for them to pop into view. You hear them gobbling, you hear them drumming, and they, they're right there. You're just waiting to see them come into view. You've, uh, you mentioned where you like to hunt the most. What's uh, your least favorite habitat terrain that you get into? Pine trees. <laughs> you know, I grew up in South Carolina, and, and it, they grow pine trees down there like they grow corn here in the Midwest. Um, and it's just it just seems like a desert, you know, 
it's nothing but pine needles and or briar thickets and it, it just doesn't seem like very good habitat and although i've you know grew up in south carolina hunting turkeys in there i only found turkeys in areas where there there was like ravines where the you know they were not allowed to cut the timber in there so you had to do some mature oaks in those ravines uh at least in south carolina they protected those water watersheds or whatever um but if you were in an area it seemed like me where it was just contiguous pine rows of pines forever the turkey population wasn't good at all in those areas and i just hated hunting them and, and plus it was it was hot in there <laughs> you know yeah. i mean the pine pine forests don't give you those nice cool breezes and uh you know all the other stuff that you see, makes spring so nice shane the thing that is interesting to me about that is like i know exactly what you're talking about but when i think about hunting turkeys and pines my mind doesn't go to like Southern pines. It goes to ponderosas and being out West and that kind of stuff where it is pine needles and all that crap too, but it feels yeah, that's, different. That's totally different. It that's feels totally different. different. Doesn't it? yeah. It's not the same type of pine. And I don't know if it's because of the being up North, it, there's other vegetation that seems to grow. And then plus usually you're in kind of a hilly, like if you go to the black Hills, that's a good example. Uh, that's hill country. But with ponderosas and whatever other kind of pines they have grown out there, the ones living anyway that hadn't got destroyed by the pine borer beetle. But yeah, that's a that's I I enjoy that too. I just don't like hunting, I guess, like southern pine plantations where it's just rows of straight rows of pines that you can see forever. And I don't know, it's just not my favorite place to hunt. I like a little I like a little diversity. And then, yeah. then like in the Black Hills, the, the diversity, there may be a lot of pines, but the diversity is the hills. It kind of breaks up the monotony of the just uh, rows of pines and stuff. Parker, it makes me laugh because we were talking today about our Florida hunt. And no, I was last night and we were texting pins back and forth to uh, to Walt down there in Florida. And he said, he said, oh, Adam, you're going to love it down there, man. There's just rows and rows of pines. I'm thinking, well, I never really hunted that much pines. <laughs> So now Shane's got me, <laughs> got me thinking. Maybe I want just to a just sea of pines. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, Walt has gar hold me. <clears throat> I hunted down there, not far from him, where he lives, and uh, we hunted an area is planted pines. But there was a, there was cabbage palms and other stuff growing down near the ground, and and, and I don't know. It was is a little bit different. You know, Florida has a little more water. A little, you know, even though the elevations don't change drastically, there was low areas with thick vegetation and there's a lot of sand there. So you can pick up on gobbler tracks. You know, when when I keep mentioning southern pine plantations, I keep going back in my head to where I grew up hunting this public land. A lot of pines, red clay. You didn't find gobbler tracks hardly unless it had been a soaker because the ground just was hard as a rock, you know. And so you basically if you didn't hear birds um gobbling back to you or hens yelping you didn't know there were any birds there at all unless you stumbled on some uh, droppings the way that i hunted those places i would especially if it was a new place i'd find a little creek or something runs through it and i would basically walk in the creek the entire way looking at the banks either side to see if there a turkey had crossed it or came down to get some water and that's how i figured out there was turkeys in the area Shane, as we're thinking about like traveling for turkeys and really trying to plan a trip, how many days do you try to give yourself once you get to your location to like the end of the hunt uh, to be able to kill a bird? And I know you've mentioned a couple of times like you'd like to do a lot of quick weekend hunts. 
But are you, are you trying to plan like three days, five days, seven days, especially if you're getting serious, like I want to get there, I want to stay there until I kill. About how long do you want to, to stay? Well, <clears throat> I have the luxury now that I don't have to hunt weekends because I have a work schedule that I work weekends and I'm off the first four days of the week. So I have four day weekends. So that gives me a little bit of an advantage. But I will say when I first started traveling, it was mostly weekends and using vacation. And I had the wrong mindset set uh, looking back at it. Back then, I would try to hit as many states as possible in that trip, like two days here or two days there. You know, I, f- I figured I could kill a gobbler in two days. But then after, you know, several times I'd go there and it felt like I was just getting in the rhythm of things after the first two days that a day, another day or two would have been helpful. And so that's kind of what I do now with those four days off. When, when I'm not using vacation, I may run over to Nebraska. I may drive through the night. Like I get off Sunday, I'll drive through the night um, and try to get there before daybreak. And when I'm putting my schedule together on my calendar, I, I just mark off that four days as one location. I'm there for those four days. And um, I, it's hard to put backup plans. Like maybe if I tag out that first day, where do I go from here? But I'm, I'm to the point now you know, with my YouTube videos, if I tag out the first day, I just come home and edit videos. And so it gives me a little break. But I try to maximize my schedule now that I'm in a place. I'm always turkey hunting when I'm off is what I try to do. But I try to give myself, you know, three or four days in one location to to really hunt it thoroughly. So, Shane, you we're talking about trying to do this U.S. slam. Like, really, the conversation is how what is the best way to go about it? I know our episode next week is going to be um, even more so in that regard. And I don't even know if you have completed it, but I know when we were all sitting around thinking about who would be somebody that just seems like they could go somewhere and make it happen fast. Because when you're talking about trying to kill a turkey in all 49 states, you want to, I mean, there's not really, I guess you got your whole life to do it, but most people want to do it as fast as possible. So you're talking about yeah. being super effective. And you um, you definitely do that. And I think it makes a lot of sense why we think that. Like, I didn't realize that you were, you know, a lot of times in a lot of the videos I've watched, you were just a week, basically a weekend warrior. You know what I mean? And you were making, you were making, creating all that content from hunting on the weekends, which is a pretty rare thing to see somebody have as much content as you do with that little amount of hunting. Yeah. I, I am not trying to get the U S slam. I have no desire to ever try to get it. (laughs) I just, I've only hunted, I've only hunted, uh, maybe 20 some odd states so i'm not even quite halfway there and i and i follow the seasons like i said earlier i'm trying to maximize my time in the woods and that's why i hunt a lot of the same states each year and i i typically add one or one or maybe two new states every year and that's just because you know i'd like to try illinois i went there last year and and killed one open the first morning i got extremely lucky that but um that's kind of my goal. So you, you picked the wrong person to ask about getting the U S. <laughs> no, not at no. all, man. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like the point isn't necessarily that you've completed the U S slam, but you're incredibly effective quickly. And I think yeah, that's a, so. one of the most important parts about doing the U S slam for the average working man. Like yeah, you've got to be effective to, fast. So how to 
how to analyze an area, get there, get the job done, you know, and, and move on or necessarily, or, or like in my case, it just, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could handle doing the U S slam because then you're looking at so many States and you got to scout so many States. Like when I, when I pick my schedule, I usually schedule, uh, schedule or start planning my spring schedule in November. And by December, I'm pretty much set. And if I go to one or two new areas or three new areas, I, I really pour over the maps and stuff. I study them rigor. I mean, I lay in bed at night before I go to bed. I'm looking at Onyx and I'm going, okay, drop a pin here. This looks intriguing. I'm Googling stuff. And so I do spend a lot of time cyber scouting. That's, I think, what helps really pay off when I show up there. It's, it's not uncommon. I mean, it's not every single hunt, but it's not totally uncommon for me to walk out there and there'd be a gobbler, goblin you know, within a reasonable distance of me where I could work him or go set up on him. And I think a lot of that has to do with the cyber scouting part of it. Don't just pick a piece of public and then just show up there and hope that you can just cover ground and, and find one. I try to put the, you know, stack the odds in my favor, if you will. So when you are doing that cyber scouting, what are the things that you're looking for in some of those areas? What makes you drop those pins in some of those places? Oh, it varies from state to state um depending on like if it's an area that i think might get a lot more pressure like mississippi um and then say iowa that's totally different for instance like iowa i'm planning on hunting a new area in iowa this year a different zone and they have iowa split into zones first thing i do is well onyx already has the borders of the zone but if it was a, a state that didn't necessarily have those features available i would draw a line around the zone or the area that i could hunt then I'm looking for big tracks of public initially. Okay, what are some key areas? And I'm looking at not just WMAs, and I'm looking at national forests. I'm looking at even like up here in Minnesota, there's areas that you would never think you can hunt. They're like, they're called open parks or something like that. You can go hunt those areas, but the average person doesn't know that. So I'm pouring over, you know, Google typing in things like that to try to find us. And, and so I'll start kind of dropping pins on, uh, areas that I want to investigate more and then I'm narrowing it down depending on if it's hill country or, or river bottoms creek bottoms if it's hill country I'm I'm trying to uh, find those little ridge points where I think a gobbler is probably going to roost on based on my experience um, and that so that's I'm kind of just pouring over all those things and looking for those key things I'm looking at access points um, the ones that are maybe not overlooked, but a little more difficult to get to. I'm sure there's people going to it, but I'm going to probably have less encounters by going in that, those areas. Mississippi, the same way. When I was looking at that, I was looking at areas that probably drew less attention. Mississippi, everybody's going to the burns. And so, I mean, if you go down there after a burn, those gates have six trucks lined up at them. But if you go to some of the other areas where it's not burned, there may not be as good of turkey hunting, but all I need is one turkey and no other hunters to mess it up, you know? Whereas the other place might have three turkeys, but there's 10 people chasing those three turkeys. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, we could sit here for hours. There's so many variables that I'm trying to factor in depending on where I'm going um, and things like that. I've heard you mention Googling uh, a few times and searching on the web for information how much stock do you put in like 
talk forums because if you put in Kentucky turkey hunting, the first thing you're going to pull up is the Kentucky deer hunting forum, which the it's got a section for turkey hunting, right? And you're going to hear all kinds of chatter about specific WMAs and, and different types of in, intel. Do you put much stock into that or you just kind of gloss over that type of info? I, I don't pay attention to, to just general talk on those forums. Mm-hmm. I'm mainly worried about uh, getting my information from like state uh, sites and stuff. But with that said, once I narrow down to certain areas that I want to hunt, if it's a named WMA or if it's a named national forest, I Google those names and I look, I, I even click on images and I'm looking at people showing their harvest. I'm, it's bringing up forms. And so then I'm going to start reading and looking for any bad talk about it. It's like, man, it was overrun with people last year. Or, you know, or, or some people, I even like, for instance, I'll give you a story from years ago. There was an area in Florida I wanted to hunt. And I Googled the area that I wanted to hunt. And I looked up images and I found a blog. And this guy had had documented his day-to-day travels through this, this uh, particular piece of public. He wasn't a hunter. He was just a person blogging. And so I got to see all the, what the terrain looked like. You know, this is before you could, um, you know, some areas where you could get on, uh, what is it? Street view or okay. whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like Google street view and stuff, you can just drop down and you can see it from the road. And obviously down there, you're not going to see some of these areas that are remote, but I was able to see what the terrain looked like, the access trails, you know, there was so much. And he blogged about seeing turkeys and gators and other things. So I was like, okay, there's turkeys there. And he had so many photos. I mean, so stuff like that is I was gathering info on that one particular piece of public. You know, that's not always the case. It doesn't work out that well. But that was the one that really stuck out. And we went there and killed a gobbler like the first, second day, I think I was there. Um, and, and and basically felt like I knew the area already because there were so many pictures in that, that blog that guy had. But um, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm picking the area that I think looks good on the map first. And then I'm re- kind of reverse searching for people talking about that, uh, that one particular WMA or state forest or whatever. I don't know if I'm ashamed to say this or if I'm really proud, but I remember one time I was doing some research on a place or on a state and I got on a, it was like a bird watching app or some kind of bird watching <laughs> site. And I Googled or I searched like Turkey on that bird watching site. And I found where people were like hiking in like national forest or just whatever. Like, Oh, we saw all kinds of turkeys in such and such national forest or such and such park or state forest or just whatever. And I, I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah. I jot that. I jot that down right away. (laughs) Yeah. It's, that's amazing. (laughs) Those bird watchers or the non hunters that, um, or non Turkey hunters, I should say how willing uh, to share information without realizing like for instance a buddy of mine just shared a picture on facebook the day before yesterday he's a he's another deer tracker he doesn't turkey hunt but he's like here's a picture of blah 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 and some turkeys across the river and he named the river and the county he was in and i'm like oh let me type that in real quick and it was a ton of public right there along the area i said well, that looks like a good area to try this spring. <laughs> Dang sure does. But I mean, I'm not hot. He's not hot spotting his own area. I mean, I'm not going in on top of him. He doesn't even turkey hunt, but he revealed an area that I hadn't even considered before. And I'm lo- looked at it, and there's like hundreds of thousands of public land, acres of public land there. And I'm like, there's obviously turkeys because he had a whole flock right there in his picture. So, 
You just got to always be listening. Yep. <laughs> now, Shane, earlier you were you were talking about how you would travel and you would drive through the night. Um, I know a lot of guys want to do that, but they're they're caught up in 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 the field scouting, um, and much less than going in blind. So I feel like you've, from what you've said, you've gone in blind a few times. It's just kind of what I'm collecting to areas to locate a gobbler. What's kind of I'm, you can map scout as much as you want, but when you're in the woods, it's totally totally different like kind of what's your first step walking in blind uh to a place in person rather than just scouting it <laughs> uh, that's a tough question um usually i'm hoping for the best i'm hoping there's a trail or something and the woods are actually accessible there's there's been times that i've gotten to an area and just you know it's hard to see tell what's going on out there in the dark and it's i've gotten to areas where i wanted to go in blind but I wasn't sure what to expect. So I waited for it to get a little gray light before I started walking in there. So, I mean, yeah. just showing up in another state, a new area without ever being in those woods, it doesn't happen often for me. It's happened a few times, but what I, I typically try to do, if I'm not going to make it there in time before sunrise, I like to get there at least in time to hear them gobbling in the mornings. And mm-hmm. then, and one of the things I've kind of changed up a little bit, I used to go to an area, and I would, you know, I'd have spots picked on the map and it'd be daylight when I got there and I'd just pull in there and I'd walk back in there and start hunting. And now I spend much more time when I first get there riding around and just seeing the area firsthand. I mean, the maps can only show you so much. And, you know, you look at something on a satellite image and it's really outdated by the time you get there. Mm-hmm. There may be a, a, a clear cut there now or it may be just so thick there's, there's no turkeys in there. So now when I show up, I don't necessarily go in blind all the time. I get there in time, hopefully to hear something goblin. And if I don't hear one goblin I can go after, I ride around and just get in a feel for the area. And then I'll dive in later in the day and uh, maybe check out some areas. But I'm checking for sign. I'm glassing for turkeys from the road or or listening for turkeys from the road. I'm trying to strike birds, you know, owl hooting and calling from the road and just getting a general feel for the area. It, do you have so, a certain t- time of like, how long do you give an area before you kind of scratch it off um, and move, if I'm, move on somewhere else? If I'm seeing fresh turkey tracks and a fresh turkey sign, I'm staying there. I mean, I've put okay. so much effort into cyber scouting. Now, I do have backups. I always, mm-hmm. always when I'm cyber scouting and play, wait, uh, making plans for a trip, there is backup areas in case it doesn't work out. South Dakota was a, great, a prime example of that. I picked up a leftover tag for a prairie unit out there cyber scouted an area um got there there was no turkeys on it and so there wasn't a whole lot of public in this in this um this county or this unit but i from a cyber cyber scouting i knew there was likely turkeys along the river so my backup plan in that case was just to go knock on doors so i drove 45 minutes in another direction and started knocking on doors and i think it was the third house i came fourth house i came to they let me turkey hunt and i Field my tags there. Shane, but, to, yeah. to Matt's point, uh, I guess adding to Matt's question there, whenever you go into a new place, do you give, like, is there a certain amount of miles that you're going to walk before you say, screw it, I'm going somewhere else? Or do you, like, what's what's the moment where you turn around and leave a spot? Uh, I'd have to say it's when the, when the week is done. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, as long as I'm finding turkey sign, 
Okay. Like, All right. So Michigan. let's say you're not finding turkey sign. Like, is there if you've walked so many miles without finding turkey sign? Is you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a moment that you? Yeah, decide... I'll give you. I'll give you a quick example of each. So I went to Michigan for the first time a few years a few years back that June hunt. I got there. I couldn't find I hear any turkeys. I was finding good sign. So, but I hadn't heard a single turkey all day. Um, I was planning on keep continuing hunting there. I finally got one to gobble that evening, but I went all day without hearing a bird, but I saw lots of sign. There was no reason for me to leave there. They just weren't talking. Now, with that said, change it up and say there was no sign at all there and there was no birds talking. I would have hunted that entire day and I would have tried to roost birds that evening. And the next morning I would have continued to hunt, hoping that they would gobble the next morning. By midday the next day, if I had still haven't heard or seen anything and found any sign of turkeys, that's when I'm, you know, driving three hours west or whatever. I'm hitting my backup plan because it's obviously a day and a half spent there and I didn't, you know, didn't hear one or see any signs that they even exist there. That's when I'm out. So I'd, I'd like to give it at least one morning of goblin and one evening of roosting, one morning of goblin, one evening of roosting and trying to get them to gobble and a day of walking around and driving around to look for sign. <clears throat> well, when you're doing your research, do you make any phone calls to these regional fishing game offices? Do you talk to any biologists? And if you do, what kind of questions are you asking them and what kind of information are you trying to get out of them? I don't do that a whole lot. Uh, um, if I know it's an area that has turkeys and you can, you, it doesn't take much research to know if an area has turkeys or turkeys in the area. Now, hunting out west i have called because those are those are a little a uh, little tougher to decipher them i mean if you're looking at a map in south dakota or nebraska and you see huge cottonwoods along a river there's turkeys there you don't need to ask anybody but then there was an area in, in uh it was either nebraska or south dakota that they had some small streams on the map i couldn't quite tell if they were year-round streams or what there was a few trees in here here and there but i wasn't sure I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a tough decision. So I got on Google, and I'm looking at the maps. And, you know, they have the little towns there with one gas station and three houses nearby at a corner road. I'd call them. And they're like, hey, there's a gem store, you know, whatever. And I'm like, this is going to sound like an odd question. But, you know, I explained that I'm coming out there to turkey hunt. Are there any turkeys around there? Oh, yeah, I see them all the time across the road, right, about a mile south of town. And I'm like, oh, there's where that ravine at. Perfect. I know there's turkeys right there. So, I mean, he just answered my question. And so then I'm satisfied at that point. That that actually happened there. And I went there and killed turkeys there in that, that location. But just looking at satellite images, it looked like it could go either way. And, and so calling like locals. And I have called like, um, I, what, the people I normally call, you know, I've called DNR wildlife uh, officers, but I like calling the locals, like if they're at a, a, a state park or somebody running some amusement, not amusement thing, but like some type of local uh, um, attraction, you know, and just get yeah. those people don't have, a, a, you know, like us, an interest in turkeys. We want to hunt them. And so they're not going to be protective of their information. You know what I'm saying? See, so they usually kind of giggle and, and willingly share the stuff. I don't. I don't know why. Like, I've never thought about that. Like, why not just call like state parks? You know, hey, yeah. tell me about the turkeys right, you no got down. there. I want to come and photograph turkeys. Tell oh, me yeah. about the turkeys y'all got there. You know what? <laughs> something like that. Like, just to know if there's turkeys around. Well, what I found. Uh, 
what I found with rain, like ranger stations with national forests, you know, they're not like game wardens or anything like that. I mean, they'll give you, I mean, they'll give you the keys to the farm. Yeah. Uh, some of those guys will, uh, because they, they do have a, an interest in the turkeys, but it's not like, I guess it's like a WMA, you know, where it's pretty much all hunting, you know, national forest is hiking and there's and 15 people calling a day, you know, can you imagine the, the, the game wardens in Nebraska, mm-hmm. like two weeks before season starts, like yeah. everybody from the South is trying to go to Nebraska and, well, and they have to answer the same questions, but other people aren't, they're not answering those questions. Well, going back to what Shane said, uh, you said you start your planning for spring in November. I'm the same way. Uh, like when I'll, I'll only take like a week off and I'll go somewhere, uh, you know, for a week, once, once a spring and I'll start in November hounding people, you know, they're not thinking really about turkeys and it's all like deer hunting. Yeah. And I'll talk to those DNR guys and I'll talk to forest rangers, you know, and especially when you get to calling people out West, they're in, you know, waist deep snow. They ain't doing nothing. No way. So you can catch them in the office. Basically um, Shane, every, have you seen uh, Nacho Libre? Where he's like, everything that you just said is your favorite thing is my favorite thing to do too. That's pretty much that's pretty much Joey right now. Yeah, but that's like uh, I've I've said it before. That's like half, if not more than half, of the fun for me. It's detective work, and you're trying to find turkeys from a thousand miles away. And uh, but yeah, when you talk to people in the dead of winter about turkey hunting in the springtime, I mean, you're I'm I'm usually asking like general questions like. How was your hatch two years ago? Like for 2023, how was your hatch in 2021? You know, what kind of habitat projects you got going on? You know, just, I mean, just general stuff. Uh, and they're just more willing to talk to you about turkeys in December versus yeah, I mean, there's, March. There's, it's like, it's like me up here in Minnesota. I'm basically homebound or I get cabin fever. We're stuck inside. There's, there's over a foot of ice and snow on the ground right now. You can't even walk across my driveway to get to the car without falling over. So you, you just stay in house all the time and then it's really cold. But I mean, to talk about uh, real quick, to go back to where you were talking about calling these states where all these guys are coming from uh, up from down south and they're asking the game wardens in Nebraska and South Dakota. It reminded me of a, of a little story of, of me calling to ask. And I think it depends on what part of the state you're going to. If you're going to one of the popular areas, like if you're talking turkey hunting in Nebraska, the Pine Ridge area, yeah, dang it, Shane, don't don't hotspot on the podcast. Just okay. kidding. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody knows, knows Pine, Pine Ridge. Ridge. Everybody goes to Pine Ridge. Yep. I'm trying to convince them not to <laughs> yeah, go there. Stop going to the Pine Ridge. <laughs> but those those folks out there get probably inundated with calls. Yeah. There's an area I went in Nebraska. This was deer hunting related. And it's not a popular deer area. I mean, this, uh, you know, people go out west, western Nebraska for mule deer, and they go to this part because of whitetails. And this was an area that was just basically desolate. And I called the local, um, I guess, I guess it was a local warden or something. And I, it, the way he acted it was like it was the first time everybody, anybody ever called him to get deer information <laughs> in that area. He was like. Where, whereabouts you thinking? I was like, well, there's this little piece of this property that's right north of this. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. When do you think you're coming out? And I said, it'll be the last part of August. I'll do some scouting. And oh, well, 
here's my number. When you get out here, go ahead and give me a call and I'm a, I'll show you around. And, and I'm like, my goodness, this guy's rolling out the red carpet for me, you know? So, I mean, but there was an area that no one would likely, and that's why I picked it. It was, I was trying to pick areas that the crowds weren't heading to. And I, I think I, I guess I got lucky and, and that was the case. Well, that's, uh, and that's another reason you start early. Uh, in, in my opinion, you start early because you're, or I'm trying to build rapport, you know, mm -hmm. maybe with some of those people. Cause like I said, I'm going there for a week, you know, I get, I take off one week and I go somewhere. And so I'm going to find out as much as I can about an area. And, uh, it was a handful of years ago, we went to this one state that, uh, that had walk-in hunting areas, but I never really heard about it online. It wasn't really talked about online. And I started contacting the, uh, the manager of the walk-in hunting program for that state. And I started talking to him in like, uh, like we said, October, November. And I bet I talked to him at least once a month up through April. And by the time February rolled around, I had talked to him enough and we had, uh, we had communicated enough that, you know, he was giving me information like, here, here are some new walk-in land hunting areas that are not even open yet. These are going to be open. We haven't even released them yet. And so he was giving me all kinds of nuggets of information, like before the general public even knew about it. And then come, uh, come season, I go down there and yeah, there's brand new signage on these places. Uh, he said, check these out. I saw a couple turkeys on this and such place and this and this in place and just check these out and we killed our birds right on, right exactly in those places and you know i'm not a i'm not above taking a pin from somebody uh but <laughs> i mean i did i did enough homework i felt and i developed a uh, good enough rapport with that guy that you know i still earned those turkeys but just just hounded yeah. not really hounding him but just staying like staying in the back of his mind and then after a few months he had enough uh he, he was comfortable enough with me that he was sending me some really good information. Yep. That's, and that's the way I act. I mean, you know, you see some people, they don't like government. They don't like game wardens, Mr. Green jeans or whatever, man. When I, when I run into a game warden, I'm, I got my hunting license out. I'm ready to talk to this fellow. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I've gained access to like, like you said, public areas that weren't even on the maps yet. They, they didn't even have the signs up yet, but it was open for hunting. You yep. know, and you're talking about some good hunting. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it's 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 unpressured, like brand new unpressured birds. Yeah. Let me yeah. let me have all because of it. probably nobody's hunting it, otherwise they wouldn't have given it to the state. A lot of those western states, it's private land that the state's giving them an incentive to lease or whatever. Yeah. Uh I killed a bird out west on one of those properties too, and um it was it was definitely a different experience. We had to drive a little bit out of the way, um, but I, we were literally up on a mountain not seeing turkeys, and we were sitting there, and I was like, there's got to be more public around, and I start really looking, turning other layers on. I think that's another thing, too, is like a lot of people don't know that there's actually more layers on Onyx, and maybe we shouldn't tell them about them, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Thanks, you know? Park. Yeah, when we get when we get done recording, I'll tell you about a couple of the apps that I found <laughs> that that'll reveal a few hidey holes. Yeah, we want to help people, but not that much. I I just like to give them a little push. Like, here you go. It's not that hard to get started. <laughs> go along. <laughs> Encourage them to get started, but not too much information. Yeah, absolutely.
Shane, it, talking about encouraging people, you know, for guys that are trying to get their grand slam for the first time, it can be really daunting to think about some of those species like Merriam's, Rio's, and Osceola's about like, hey, how do I effectively plan like the best state, the best opportunity? Are there, is there a species you might tell someone and say, hey, it might just be better to go, go with an outfitter to just try to get that one, get that one done? Uh, the, the Rio's, I guess if you're talking about the Rio, the Miriams, the Eastern and the Osceola, those four. Yep. Correct. Rio is probably going to be, I don't know, there's, there's enough public to get on that. But I mean, if you want like to hunt true area or areas of true or historical areas where you're kind of getting into the pure gene pool, I guess, to, for lack of a better term, term, um, you know, Oklahoma doesn't have a lot of, uh, well, it does, it has some areas, but like Kansas, you got to go real far. You know how Kansas is pushing things back. I mean, all of them are doable. Miriam's is is pretty easy. You go to Black Hills, you go to Wyoming, you go to Montana, you know, you go to South Dakota. There's lots of areas you can just go in there and, and hunt. And and Easterns are all over the place. Osceola's a tough one. I wouldn't pay an, an outfitter just because it's ridiculous the amount they charge. Um, I think if if you take your put in the effort to cyber scout and plan your trip and plan for maybe more than four days in Florida. Um, Florida, the Osceola is not as difficult to kill as people make it out to be. be. Uh, the, the thing there is finding an area where you, you're not having other hunters crawling all over top of you, but the, the bird itself, if you get one-on-one -on -one with a bird, they're not that hard to call in. Um, I think an Eastern's, uh, harder to call in than an Osceola. Um, I guess I really didn't answer your question. Uh, I've I've never used I've never like paid an outfitter to go anywhere. I just kind of do it. I have hunted in outfitters. Don't get me wrong, like media hunts. Um, but I've never used my own money to go to any of them. It's, it's yeah, that's a tough question. I just don't know enough about the entire range of these birds. I, the Rio just seems like that's the one that's got a uh, limited public to to really hit them hard shane you're talking about rios um i would i would probably agree with you that for most people that is going to be the one that you're going to want to get an outfitter for but i would also say that it's the easiest bird to kill out of them um yep, probably so because if you can go to an outfitter in texas for a rio you're going to kill him pretty quickly you know if it's a if it's a decent outfitter I would say most people are going to like, just in my experience of, of with the, all the subspecies, I, the Rio is like a 15 yeah, we, minute we, hunt. We went to the, on that media hunt in Oklahoma and that was Rio's and, and that was in Western Oklahoma, right next to, I guess it was Rio's. It looked like Rio's. It would be. It was I think. In, um, yeah. It was in Western Oklahoma. And um, that guy had plenty of birds and it was no problem for us to you know shoot kill all our tags stuff i only killed one i can't remember yeah i did i guess i did kill one i didn't feel both my tags because i was so busy filming other people people at the end of jeff and whatnot um but yeah that they had plenty of birds and they were pretty easy to call in to basically enforce what you just said yeah i think I, rios maybe i think rios maybe are affected by weather a lot more like for a successful hatch than they are maybe the some of the other subspecies and i've heard that because when we went out to when we went out to oklahoma uh that's what uh that was a big topic you know 
yeah, we had good weather this year. We had a good hatch. We had uh, bad weather this year. And it was almost like night and day difference from year to year. It, mm-hmm. it, it almost seemed like uh, some of those areas where the Rios are, they could, it would almost seem like they could double their population size with just a really good hatch one year. It was just so cyclical. And so maybe, uh, maybe that factors into what you were just saying too. Like if it's so touch and go, if you just go there on an off year, you might not hardly see any birds. Um, so that may, that may make sense. Yeah. You, um, one of the, the thing that I pulled out of Shane's answer seems like probably Easterns would be the hardest one, but maybe not the one to go to the outfitter for because it's the most accessible. Am I reading yeah, that right, I mean, Shane? Yeah, I mean, when I said there's really no no way to easily easily compare them all. I mean, yeah. a, a unpressured Osceola and an unpressured, you know, Eastern I mean, Miriam's. <laughs> those jokers <laughs> act dumb sometimes. They just come in and running and gobbling. Depends on, but but I've run into some that are like out in South Dakota just uh, two years ago that he just popped his head over a hill and and then he saw something he didn't like and he was gone. You know, so there are some that are that feel the pressure, like the Black Hills. The Miriams in the Black Hills are definitely um, a little bit different breed than the ones out on the prairie. I mean, I can tell that just from hunting them. They are a little more skittish or a little bit more reluctant. But I've hunted areas in in Iowa where those Easterns just act like uh, farm birds. They just they don't know any better. But then you get you know down south where there's a lot more turkey hunters, a lot more diehard turkey hunters. Those birds hear a lot more. I think, no no insult to the people up north, but I think you just in general have better calling down there. People have a, a lot, a little better range of their capabilities. Thank, thank you, Shane. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm from <laughs> South too, so I, I'm complimenting myself. Well, <laughs> I took I mean, it, it as just, a compliment it, to us, but whatever. It's, it's no, I mean, turkey hunting's been down around in the south a lot longer right it's and it's a little people take it more seriously down there up here deer hunting is king and fishing is king and and even though you can get multiple tags in here in in, uh in like wisconsin or whatnot or you can go hunting with other people and take them out to fill their tag help them fill their tag most people people up here are like tagged out ready to go fishing now i mean what you hunted two days and you killed a goblin you're done you know they don't really take it as serious, and so they don't work at the craft as much as southern turkey hunters do. And so, you know, that equates to birds down there hearing better calling, getting more pressure, more pressure throughout the entire season. We're up here. I probably shouldn't say this, but oftentimes I, I don't run into hardly anyone at all in the late season, late May up here in the Midwest. Everybody's fishing. You know, you, know, you see it in my videos. You, you don't see me, you know run into so many people yeah jot it down <laughs> make right. the 20 hour drive up here <laughs> so shane you um you recently hunted with a, a guy we know the videos just came out tyler malone um tyler's a hoot to be around freaking whole, one of the most hilarious people i've ever met his owl life. hooting is a hoot <laughs> <laughs> all right so that, that kind of goes <laughs> that goes into my next point tyler self-admittedly he's a pretty new turkey hunter Hadn't been doing it for a real long time, but he cut his teeth hunting public land birds in Alabama, which is going to probably, you know, if you can kill one 
I'm not going to say if you can kill one in Alabama, you can kill one anywhere. But if you cut your your teeth hunting southern easterns, I do feel like it gives you an advantage. You got to see him go to the what is it, the upper Midwest and hunt birds out there. What would you say, like, and this is really isn't going to help anybody. It's just for me to know. Like, I just kind of want to know the information. Did it surprise you how much further along he was after only four years of turkey hunting versus the average Midwestern guy who's been hunting for four years? Well, basically, any, uh, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I did not know that he was, or if he told me, I didn't remember that he was new to turkey hunting, you know he came across as somewhat of a uh, someone that knew their way through the tr- turkey woods and knew kind of what to do uh, i find myself when i'm hunting with some people sometimes especially new turkey hunters they you know, a lot of the stuff we is second nature for us we've been doing it for years we don't think about you know get set up get your knee up get your gun up um you're listening for drumming all that stuff and even though he kind of looked like a goofball in some of those videos because we were just you know um <laughs> I was with him for, you know, there's, what was it a day and a half, two days, two and a half days or whatever it was. Um, just seeing him, he, he didn't come across as like somebody green to turkey hunting. Um, it wasn't until later I found out he, he was in, that was like his third spring or fourth spring. And, and so, I mean, he was well advanced. Most people that you see are just in their first, even in life with people that have been in their sixth and seventh year, um, they, they don't quite understand, you know, where to position on a turkey, you know, try to get the high ground, you know, setting up on a turkey, uh, getting good back cover, you know, all those little things that, I mean, there's a whole myriad of things you could list here, but they just, he, like you said, without stretching this any farther, yeah, he seemed to be farther along. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's really cool to see, you know, as we're, as we're talking about going in and trying to be effective quickly in a uh in any given state it doesn't matter if somebody's just trying to knock states off the list um you've done your you've done your scouting or your your cyber scouting i mean you've called your people you're ready to go in for the first hunt um do you recommend if somebody's got four days do you recommend just being super aggressive on the first day like and when i say super aggressive let's say you find a turkey goblin just go in immediately and try to kill him or are you trying to just kill him within those three days learn what he does don't spook him you know what i'm saying which one do you prefer i don't know i, I pretty much I, I guess i've never thought of it like that i pretty much hunt the same way every time every opportunity i'm on i'm analyzing what's going on i am trying to kill him but i'm also analyzing the best approach to go about doing that um, I don't go to an area and say, okay, like it's a big buck and you're trying to figure out where he's bed and then you're going to you know, work, you know, sit back and cyber, um, what do you call it? Um, observe. Yeah. Observation. Yeah, observation, observation sits. Sits. That's <laughs> yeah. what I call them when I, when I sit and don't kill nothing. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a bird watcher. I'm going in there to, to, to hunt that gobbler. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, every opportunity I had a bird, I'm strategizing what's the best way to, effectively hunt this bird and kill him depending now, on i mean the situation. i'm not I'm, yeah i'm not gonna kamikaze and run straight at him and then you know do, do something stupid but yeah um, all right I'm, so to that you're not gonna kamikaze and do something stupid if it's the last day of your hunt if you've got four days to hunt are you gonna kamikaze and do something stupid or are you gonna do the same thing do you ever change how you go about yeah it? i guess i guess with that said there i do 
I am bound to take more risk. And what keeps me from doing taking risk sooner is I'm self-filming and I have a lot of camera equipment. And there's plenty of times that I want to make a move, but I'm reluctant because I have to break down all this gear and then try to, you know, maneuver with all this gear. If I was just holding a shotgun in my hand and just me sitting against a tree, it I would just I'd be up quicker and moving on a bird. Um, I think both have helped me and cost me because I haven't moved because of the camera gear. I've been there a little bit longer. I ended up killing one because I was basically patient um, without being patient. And then in other instances, when I, you know, made a quick hastily move, it cost me or, or may not cost me. It helped me because I was more aggressive. And, and if I'd set back, the opportunity would have passed. But there are times where, you know, it gets down to the, well, I guess this, this hunt that's coming up this week on my channel. It'll, I don't know. When's this podcast going to air? Uh, this week um, on Friday. Okay. So this won't, this, the video will already be out by the time, because this Wednesday I'll post a video of my Minnesota hunt. This is one where I was taking risk. I'd already hunted um, with Tyler for a few days. I had my, um, my buddy Evan come in that I just aired and he hunted with me. I'm trying to think if I hunted a day with myself or not already, but this was like, after those guys had come and gone, it was my time to hunt and I was on a bird and I had a bird goblin, but I knew he had a hen with him and I heard another one gobbling off to my left. So I just like, you know what? I may bump this bird because the woods are pretty open, but I'm going to take that risk because I don't feel I can kill him anyway. So I just up and moved towards that other bird and got set up on him. When I was set up on him, he it became obvious he had a hen with him. And, and I heard two other birds gobbling on the next ridge over. And so, I was, again, I was going to leave this bird. I'm like, I keep running the gobblers with hens. I'm like, those two birds together probably don't have hens. I'm going to go after them. And so, again, I was, you know, making a move and risking bumping the birds. They weren't that far away gobbling. You know, it seemed like at any moment I might see them. But I took a risk and I moved and, and dropped down to ravine. And as I'm moving to the other gobblers, I realized that I, by moving, I'd gotten that ravine and there was a way for me to work around on that bird with the hen. And I said, you know what? I'm not that far from them. I could probably slip right up here and just peek over and I might be within his bubble and I might be able to call him in if he's not in gun range. And that's exactly what I did. I was able to get up there. I, I was like a rock cliff. I set my gun up on the little cliff there and I peeked over. I had to stand on tippy toes on a little boulder to see over. And as soon as I popped my head up, the gobbler wasn't in range. I didn't even see him, but there was a hen there. I think she saw me because she kind of like, I heard, perk, perk. so I yelped at her. She must have thought I was a hen. She come walking right over to the woods, yep, 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 yep. right to beside me. And I'm standing there on, a, on the edge of a cliff looking over at my gun. I was I didn't even look at her. I just cut at her and yelped at her and she's cutting back to me and she doesn't know where this hen's at. And, and she didn't realize I was, you know, a person standing there. And that was enough to break that gobbler. And he dropped down the hill and right into 30 yards and I shot him. And it was one of those situations. I think even though I had more season left in Minnesota, I was, uh, I was, had hunted it for enough days that I was, it was almost, it felt like it was, getting near the end of my season i need to make some moves and so yeah i got aggressive sorry for such a long story no dude that's I think perfect. It tied into what you were asking it's perfect I, I i'm sorry guys i'm gonna be a little bit selfish right here on all these ending questions but um 
you, you said something in that. You talked about the bubble. Now, uh, on the Southern Ground Hunting podcast, we've talked about this multiple times, but this is a new podcast, and um, I want to hear Shane's Shane Simpson's description of the bubble. When you describe, when you talk about, you wanted to see if you were in his bubble. That's one of the most important parts about being an effective turkey hunter is kind of knowing where that's at. What is it to you? It it varies from gobbler to gobbler. But it basically is an imaginary circle, imaginary circle around this gobbler. You can be just outside that circle and call to your heart's content and he will not budge and come closer. But you get right on the inside of that bubble, that imaginary line, and he it just turns a switch in his head and he's like, I gotta go over there. This hen's close enough. I need to go, you know, meet her. And um like that gobbler that I was just talking about in that hunt, I was probably 75 yards away and he would not budge him and that hen. But it also helped me with that hen. I got in her bubble too. They have bubbles also. She yelped down there. He would gobble. I was yelping nothing. As soon as I got to that, I was probably 30, 35 yards from that hen when I popped up. And as soon as I made a yelp, she marched right over to me. And then our commotion was enough to pull him in. Um, so in that instance, I didn't necessarily get within his bubble because he had a hand, but I got in her bubble and, and then that resulted in him dying because she came over. It's a great, it sounds like you've, uh, described that a couple times. That was awesome. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think anybody's ever asked me to define it. Well, I just figured. Fan freaking tastic. I feel great about that question now. <laughs> I thought it was a really elementary question. Uh, yeah, first time anyone's ever asked me, I guess. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get it. your entire answer printed it, out on a shirt. Little, is that a little whiteboard behind you? Uh, No, that's a, actually a picture of a deer I killed. Oh, I see that. It looked like it was hanging from a whiteboard. I was going to say, put a chalkboard or a whiteboard back there and say, you know, put that first time question back there. <laughs> and then next time you have a guess and say, have you ever been asked that? And you can add that you question. Start tallying up first time yeah. questions. Yeah. Uh, guys, anybody else have anything for Shane before we wrap this joker up? Fantastic. Can't think of nothing, Shane. Appreciate everything you uh, uh, talked with us about this evening. All My right, pleasure. Shane. You uh, you're putting out a lot of videos. Are you on a schedule where people can be uh, marking their calendars for a new Shane Simpson video? Yeah, right now they're they're well. By the time this goes, I'm I'm getting low on videos, but I I post them every Sunday and Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Central Time. And then once turkey season starts, they're going to be. I really, I guess I really haven't thought about a schedule. I probably should try to keep it at least to somewhat similar schedule. I don't know how quickly I can get the videos out, but if it's one video a week, it'll be Sunday evenings, I'll say, at 6 p.m. Central. Awesome. Well, Shane Simpson from Calling All Turkeys, dude, it has been a pleasure to get to talk to you this evening. And uh, why don't you go kill some more turkeys this year so you can have videos all through the fall for Joey to watch. I've got a full yes, schedule. Please. I'm hoping that we can get a few down. Awesome. Tyler's hey, Tyler's coming back up to hunt with me. <laughs> awesome. I enjoyed hunting with him so much that I invited him back for round two. Fantastic. That's, That's awesome. awesome. A sequel. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, see, I don't have Doug Updike to hunt with anymore. He and I haven't hunted uh, in a while. I mean, I still have him, but our schedules haven't uh, been cohesive lately. So uh, Tyler's filling that little niche there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, you have a good evening. Thanks for coming on. All right, man, my pleasure. Y'all take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods as the wild turkey. 
We'll talk to you guys next week.